Welcome to the Foundry Church Podcast, helping you to forge a lifelong reliance on God. To find out more about the Foundry Church or how to get involved, visit us at thefoundrychurch.com. Here is an interesting thought. Take a look at this, right? Interesting thought. Go ahead and put that up there, Evie. It's not up there. All right, here's the thought. Have you ever wondered why you go to church? Have you ever wondered why you actually go to church, right? After all, Jesus never said, go to church, right? He didn't. You won't see Peter talking about, hey, you need to go to church. And Paul never said in all the writing that he did in the New Testament, he never said, go to church. It's just not there. In fact, you can search throughout the entire Bible and never find anyone talking about going to church, Right? You just can't. And why is that, do you think? Right? Well, it's because of this, right? They couldn't go to church because they were the church. Right? They couldn't go because they were the church. Right? When we hear the word church, we tend to think of a, a building. Right? We tend to think of a, of a place or we maybe think about an event or uh, an experience that we may have. Or maybe we think about a church as an organization or, or a class of some sort. Right? But, but when Jesus said, I will build my church, that's not what he meant. He didn't mean those things. He didn't mean a building, right? He meant a movement. Take a, take a look at this. He was talking about a group of people united by a common identity and mission. Right? That's what church means. The original word, and we're not going to dig into this, is the word kirka, right? It's where we get the word church. It means a group of people, usually a, a group of military people or, or, or a political people called out for a specific purpose or a f- specific task, right? That's what we are, right? A group of people called for a specific purpose, a specific mission, Right, we can thank the Germans who, who made it church. Right? They, they called it Kirka, which means building right? or basilica. But that's not what Jesus was talking about. He was talking about a group of people united by a common identity and mission. A common experience of a relationship with Jesus. And a, a common purpose of helping others find that relationship. Right? That's why we say we are guiding ourselves. Right? We want to forge our life on God, but we also want to guide other people to forge their life on God. Right? This weekend, uh, this, this morning, I want to suggest that we don't simply just go to church. Right? Right? As, we, as we finish on a week and as, we, as we're getting ready to, to kind of kick summer into gear, right? I don't want us just to go to church. But I want us to start being the church, right? Being the church with a, with a capital C, all right? So listen, Foundry, oftentimes, here's the tension, right? Oftentimes, when we relate to church, we relate to it as consumers, right? We, we come to get teaching or encouragement. We come to, to sing or to hear music, to hear inspiring stories, but we want... Uh, 
We want our church to, to help us find friends uh, or, or good events for our kids or helpful resources for spiritual growth or sometimes even, even good food, right? That's why we have the, the Stroop waffles out there this Sunday. Because <laughs> I took a flight last week and I was like, these are good. We need some of these at church, right? And they were on the plane. Those are all good things, all byproducts, but they're not the main thing, right? Jesus had, has chosen us not to sit in, in seats and to consume, but to go on mission with him, right? To, to live out that purpose. The last command that he gave his disciples was this, right? He said, go and make disciples of all nations, right? He said, go, not, not come, not consume or sit or experience or learn, but go, and that's exactly what his disciples did, right? After the, the resurrection that we talked about last week, they returned to Jerusalem, his disciples, his followers, to wait as he instructed for the Holy Spirit that he had promised, right? They prayed and they, they, they waited together. And when the day of Pentecost came, the Holy Spirit overwhelmed them. It filled them and empowered them to complete the mission, the purpose that they had been given, right? So the apostle Peter, he, he stood up and he preached boldly and thousands of people heard the story of God, the gospel, like we talked about last week, in their own language, right? It said 3,000 people were baptized and added to the church in one day. In that single day, right? And so after that, Philip, who we read about, if you've been following along in the story that we've been reading during the week, right? Philip, he went to, to Samaria. Peter went to the house of this guy named Cornelius. And the gospel spread to those who were not even of the same nationality or the religion of Jesus, Right? It was clear that, that Jesus, this is what we're, we're learning in this long story short, that, that Jesus transcended uh, race and, and culture and ethnicity and even religious worldviews or political worldviews. Right? His, his story was for everyone, and everyone could play a part. Right? Paul took the, the story and he, he spread it across Asia Minor. Right? And, and then he, he crossed this channel, and he met a woman in Philippi, and then the gospel exploded from there across Europe. Right? God's story, right? this, this long story short that we've been looking at for the last 11 weeks, God's story was for everybody, people everywhere from every different background, and he was going to use all these people to continue to allow it to spread, right? The, the promise he gave to, to Abraham, remember that, that sermon right at the very beginning of this series, right? This, this promise that, that God gave to Abraham to bless all people, all the nations of the world through his family was beginning to come to pass. The, the salvation that he, he purchased on the, on the cross was for all people and he was restoring people to himself. Right? The, the life, the, the power, and the hope that we, we've been talking about is being soaked in by people all across the world. And he was using the church, not a, not a building, 
like we said, right? But a, a group of people called for a specific task and, and mission to accomplish it, right? To care for creation, to bless the world, to spread the, the wonderful grace and salvation that he has, to embody uh, life and power and, and hope. See, it's a huge honor, right, Foundry Church? It's a huge honor that we are a part of, that Jesus has chosen us, right, chosen us to take part in his mission, right, to continue what he started, right, he didn't, he didn't die, all right, this, he didn't die so we could just go to a place, right, he didn't die so we could just go to, to a church building, he didn't save us so we could find safety and refuge inside of a building, Right? He, he saved us so we could be the church, right? his, his people, his, his family, so we could be his, his body here in this outpost that he's assigned us to here on earth. Right? He saved us so we, we could play a significant role right now in establishing his kingdom on earth. Right? Take, take a look. Right? He saved us so we could be on an adventure with him. Right, so, so we could step into one of the greatest adventures, the greatest adventure of all time. That's why he saved us, to be a part of this story. Right? In, the, in the New Testament, we see a number of different uh, pictures, um, uh, things of what the church is supposed to look like. Right? There are our relational metaphors that we read about, including the, the body of Christ, right? the, the family of God, or, or the bride of Christ, and a, a royal priesthood. That's other names for this group, this, this group that's called for this specific purpose and mission. Right? And so today, I just want to unpack a couple of those pictures for a moment, because I think they help us understand the roles uh, God has called us to play in his story. And one picture we see in the New Testament is this, right? The, the family of God, right? The family of God. We are the family of God, right? With, with others all around the world, right? right? Listen to uh, the way our relationship with God is described, right? In, in 2 Corinthians, it says this, I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons, it says, and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. In John uh, chapter 1, it says this, but to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. Right? In Romans, we see this, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you have not received a spirit, it says, that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him what? It says, Abba, Father, right? For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children, right? The family of God, right? Knowing that you are a child, Right, that you are a child of an important person impacts your perspective, doesn't it? Right, all of us are born. Right, we're born with a longing to know that there is more to us than just meets the eye. 
right? Right, so when we realize that we are our sons and that we are our daughters of God, we then realize that we have certain privileges that come with that, that we must live with, that we are, we are marked, it says in Scripture, that we are, are sealed and that we are, are gifted because we are a part of this family. Right? And we also have to realize that we have a different standard right, to live up to. There are family values in the family of God. Things like love and, and joy and things like peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Right? Those, those are ways that we are called to reflect our Father. Right, to be a part of the family of God. Those are values that we have. Right? Knowing that we are sons and daughters of God makes us live differently. Now, I understand though, for some of us, this just seems too good to be true. Right? Maybe your story is filled with, with tragedy and, and heartbreak and, and just despair. Right? It, it's broken. But if you, you've been with us since week one, or if you just are, are, are following along, right? Family, right? Family in Scripture hasn't always been that way, right? It hasn't always been perfect. In fact, when God created Adam and Eve, he said what? That it was very good, right? But then just the next page, sin entered the world and family was broken. Right? And when sin entered the world, that family relationship was, was separated. It was broken. Right? But Jesus' death and resurrection restores relationships. It closes the gap of separation of relationships that we have, not just with God the Father, but with each other. Right? It's the, the image that we have of the family of God. Right? Jesus' death and his resurrection restores relationships, gives each of us the opportunity to be a part of a new family, a new way, even if our family is a dysfunctional mess. Right? We have a new opportunity. So if the, the image of the family of God helps us understand the role we play in the story, that we are our brothers and sisters in this family, then the image of the body of Christ, right, this another metaphor, gives us understanding about how we work together to accomplish the mission that we're called out for, right? It says this in Romans chapter 12, just as our bodies have many parts, and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body, it says, and we all belong to each other. Right? We are the living, the, the breathing body of Christ. We are the, the hands, we are the, the feet of Jesus. I have a, a mentor uh, who likes to joke, and when she preaches on this section of Scripture, she says, she says some of you are the nose hairs, of Jesus, right? And they, she's a scientist by trade, so, so she explains how the nose hairs keeps out infections and all that, right? But we are the hands, the feet, the, the elbows, the fingers, the nose hairs of the body of Christ here in this earth, right? We are the, the physical expression of Jesus walking on earth today, 
Look at that. I mean, we are the physical expression of our Lord walking around on earth today. It's who we are. Right? As Paul wrote in Romans, each of us has different gifts and abilities and personalities and passions. Right? Growing in our relationship with Christ, right? When we forge our life on Him, it doesn't lead to conformity. It doesn't, right? Instead, maturity in our relationship with God means more growing and growing more into the unique person that God has created us to be in order to fulfill that unique role that he wants us to play in his story. We all have a unique task and purpose and God-given potential to accomplish as we are this called-out group together. When you play a part as a member of the body of Christ, you are playing a part in God's story for your life. Something only you can do, right? Each of us has an important work to do. Every one of us has a role. Maybe it's teaching kids, maybe or uh, it's serving in the community or working at the food pantry that we have each week, or, or maybe it's leading worship or, or greeting people on the way in or making coffee. Maybe it's just being the best father that you can be uh, in the name of Christ. Maybe it's going to work with the attitude that all that you do is for his glory and honor, right? Maybe it's not cutting the person off that, that is speeding by you or making you mad on the parkway. Whatever we do is for his glory. We have an important work to do. Take a look. All right, God created you to be a part of the body, and there is a part that only you can play. There's a part that only you can play. All right, so we have the, the family of God and the, the body of Christ. But then... We also have this image of the church of an ambassador, it says, right? This is one of my favorites, right? right? Another image that we see of the church is that of an ambassador, right? An ambassador is a person who represents something or someone. And as a, a follower of God, someone forging their life on him, we represent him. Second Corinthians puts it this way. It says, so we are Christ's ambassadors, God is making his appeal through us, right? We carry out the mission of Jesus to the world around us, right? Taking his message and his hope, his freedom and his power and reconciliation to those around us, right? When, when we hear go and make disciples, a lot of times we get a little nervous, don't we? I just, just be honest, right? We get a little, we get a little scared when, we, when, when someone stands up here and says, hey, go and make disciples. We can get a little, little nervous, right? The idea of, of being an ambassador, of sharing our faith with people can be a little intimidating, right? One thing to remember is that, that no, one, no one has fallen in love with, with Jesus because they lost an argument. Right, so that should give us a little bit of hope, right? In other words, drawing people to Jesus isn't so much about debating and knowing all the facts and presenting them, right? We aren't called to give persuasive uh, presentations about Jesus with PowerPoint, right? right? That's not what we're called to do. Rather, we're called to simply represent him, 
Right? That's what we're called to do. Right? When I want people to fall in love with, with something that I love or, or someone that I love, like, like my dog Barton, right? Right? I, I, don't, I don't give a persuasive speech about why, they, uh, why this person or that person or Barton, this is his fifth birthday, why he's worthy of being loved, right? I, I, I don't just try to give all the facts that, well, he's this tall, he weighs this much, he's a little overweight, maybe because it's the french fries in front of him. I, I don't give all the information, right? Right? I just tell stories, right? I just, I, I just, I just tell stories. Sometimes I show people pictures, right? I, I pull out pe- pictures and I show, show them my, my pride and joy, right? I, I show... Uh, I show people the, the things that I want them to fall in love with. So when they see the picture, when they see something like that, they see the same things that I see. And that's what sharing our faith looks like, right? Sharing our, our lives, inviting, inviting people into the story and showing them pictures of Jesus by our actions, by who we are, right? Just the mere fact that what we do is done for the glory of God no matter what it is. All right, let me, uh, let, me, let me summarize these points here, right? When we understand that we are, are sons and daughters of God, that we are the family of God, then sharing our faith doesn't mean that we're just trying to sell a religion, right? Instead, we're inviting people into a great adventure. We're not just trying to sell them something. We're inviting them to live their best life, as it says in Scripture, the abundant life, right? A life that is forged on God, right? When we live as the body of Christ, we aren't trying to change the world through logic and arguments, right? But we are, are giving people a picture of what Jesus really looks like and what he can do in their lives as well, right? When we are his ambassadors, our, our mission is to reflect his personality and purposes to the world around us, to reflect him to this world, to be a light on a hill, as it says, right? According to, um, here's some scary statistics, according to, to Barna and, and some other research organizations, 51% of, of us who call ourselves Christians, only 51% know the Great Commission, all right, only 51%. And of those 51%, this just came out last year, only 17% can actually explain what the Great Commission means to them as a follower of Christ. Right? So 51% of people who say that they are Christians in America can actually tell you what the Great Commission is. And of those 51%, only 17% can actually explain how it's a part of their life, how they are living that out. Listen, that's not the case here at the Foundry, right? We say that we fulfill the Great Commission by guiding people to forge a lifelong reliance on God, right? And the Great Commission, if you have your Bibles, is found in Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 through 20. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there. And if you don't have a Bible, and you would like a Bible, there's Bibles that are in the seats in front of you, and you can take those with you. They are free for you to take, to share, to give away, to use. But listen, I, I want you to turn there in Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 through 20. You can also download the free Foundry app. 
at your favorite app store and click the Bible tab, and it's already right there, and you can bookmark that or screenshot it, and then you always have this, this commission that we've been given by our Lord. All right, it says this. It says, in verse, starting in verse 19, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth, therefore, right, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Then it says, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. All right? And you can be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Guys, that's the Great Commission. Right? That's our mission. When we say we are the church, a group of people called out for a specific purpose, a specific task, that purpose, that task, that mission is Matthew 28, right? Jesus summarizes it by saying, seeking and saving the lost, right? To go and make disciples of all nations, all people, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, right? Teaching them to obey his way, to live your best life, a life forged on God. Look at this, right? Making disciples means investing our lives in other people, and replicating the character, the ways, and the mission of Jesus in them. The the same mentor who gave me the nose hair explanation describes this as discipleship. Making disciples means investing our lives in other people and replicating the character, the ways, and mission of Jesus in them. Guys, we have been on this long journey from from creation until this point, the giving of the Great Commission the last 11 weeks, right? Looking at this long story short, right, of of the Bible, the 30,000-foot view, all right? And I just want to give a summary of where we've been, all right? Just just listen to this, right? The the story, this, this long story of God began with a creator who made a good world, who made a good world to reveal how good he really was. He's a good creator, and then we broke it, right? Which is why we find ourselves in a world of confusion, disappointment, and hurt today. But God, who we said was both author and protagonist, refused to leave the story. He was there from the very beginning, right? He made a promise that we talked about with Abraham, right? That redemption was already in the works. And so he chose a family, right? And promised that all nations of the world would be blessed through them. He chose people, right? Through which to reveal his character, his faithfulness, and his goodness, right? Remember those sermons like, like Joshua and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego and Esther and all these people we read about, right? He chose people through which to reveal his powerful and loving and grace-filled character in, right? Through broken people and impossible circumstances, God continued to write history. After many years, we, we saw that God showed up in an unexpected and a miraculous way through the birth of a baby, Right? God in the flesh, right? Everyone thought that this baby would grow and Jesus would overthrow the oppressive Roman Empire, right? And establish a a new kingdom, right? The kingdom that he kept talking about, but their hopes and their dreams were all crushed 
when Jesus died, when he was hung on the cross, right? But little did they know, we saw, that he was actually crushing the head of the enemy for once and for all, right? God's God's biggest and greatest plot twist was still to come, right? Because like we talked about last week, three days later, Jesus would walk out of the grave. From the time he died, three days later, he would walk out of the grave conquering sin and death forever, right? In this one great moment, he reversed the irreversible, right? <laughs> He defeated death. He fixed what was broken between God and man, that separation. He provided a way of redemption and gave life, power, and hope. Now listen, the, the story, all these points that we've been talking about, all those, that, that summary, all these things, right, could have ended there, and it still would have been the greatest story ever told. Right? A passionate God, right, on a relentless pursuit of his people. Right? And we could have ended it there, and that would have been the greatest story in the history of the world. But it didn't quite end yet, right? It's not done, right? There were still adventures to be written. There, there were still stories to be told, and that's where we find ourselves today, right? We are, we are his family, right? The the body of Jesus, the body of Christ. We are his ambassadors into this world. And that's where we find ourselves. Right? We, we are living in communities right? where we are the, the, the representation of our Lord. Right? The, the Bible begins with God and it ends with God. And we have found ourselves somewhere in the middle. Right? We, when we... And know the author, and we understand how the story began, it puts our lives into perspective, right? We, we realize that we were created by someone bigger than us for a story that is much larger than our own, right? We, we realize that he was not just presenting us a set of rules to live by, but giving us a calling, a purpose, a mandate, a mission to live for, right? And that's why we have the Great Commission, to go as ambassadors, to go as his body, to go as the family of God together to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all these commands and holding on to the promise that he is with us guiding us, empowering us to the very end of the ages. Now we will have eternity with him in heaven. So let me get very practical about this. All right? let, me, let me ask you a few of these questions. Right? This first one here. Right? What are you living for? Right? What are you living for? Are you reflecting God's personality and purpose in your life? Are you living like a son and a daughter of God most high? Next question. Right? Where are you invested? Right? Where are you invested? Do you just go to church or are you living as the church? Are you inviting others to be a part of this great adventure with God? 
Right? Are you inviting others into that story? Who are you praying for? Who are you inviting into your life so that they can know God? Another question that we should be asking ourselves is, is who are you serving? Right? Are, you, are you serving using your gifts, your, your, your talents and skills to show Jesus to the world around you? How are you pursuing your passions and your hobbies and your, your just life circumstances in a way that establishes the kingdom of God around you? Then these final two questions, all right? What story are you living and what story are you telling? Right? Is it a story uh, that you were created for? Right? Are you living that life abundant, that best life, that life that is forged on God? Or are you living in some kind of safe alternative to the adventure that God has created you for and called you to? Are you living a, a cheap version or are you living a life that is forged on God? As the, as the band comes back up and as we get ready to continue to worship here through, through another song, like, let me remind you that God had a plan from the very beginning. Right? God, our Lord, had a plan from the very beginning, a plan to rescue, a plan to redeem and release his goodness, life, power to the world that he created. We're not just spectators, Foundry Church. We don't just watch. Right? We are part of what God is doing today and that shouldn't scare us that should be an encouragement we are a part of what god is doing in our families in our communities in our workplaces in our church family and in this world because the story continues right it just didn't end when he came out of the grave he said no i have a mission for you i'm going to go up to heaven i'm going to prepare some things but you're going to keep moving the stick forward, right? I have things for you to do, and only you can do, and only you can do, and only you can do. Things that you're designed for. We all have a role to play in God's big story. Let's stand. Let's sing together and worship and in honor of our Lord and say thank you through this, this time, through these songs. That he didn't just leave us on the sidelines. He put us in the game. Let's worship together.